You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 179, covering Visionary and Distant Voices. Friends, we just finished watching an episode that we're, we'd never want to see again. I feel beaten. Yeah. Like, like I feel like, I feel like someone dropped a like a sack of something heavy on me for for like an hour. Yeah, and the thing is, like I I got a bit going on right now. I was a little behind, so I had to watch it the first time for notes uh, this morning, mm-hmm. and then the second time again this morning, like two hours apart. Yeah. So my brain is like, ugh, like it's I just. just ugh. I feel tired and sad. Yeah, I think this is how we're going to feel about Voyager every week. Oh, that's something to look forward to. Here's the thing. I remember this show being, like, quite good starting out, and by this point, almost flawless, and yep. boy, was I wrong. Yeah. There's there's a lot about this show I like, but, uh, wow. There's, Guess what? There's been some duds this season. Oh, man. This this was bad. Well, anyway. That said, several people we know and respect probably liked it. Yeah. That has been the theme this year. Uh, yep. Well, you guys are wrong. This episode was amazing. Oh, What's it like to be so wrong all the time? Well, the thing is, it was written by the guy who wrote one of my favorite uh, next-gen episodes, um, The Chase, and mm-hmm. he also wrote Darmok and, you know, like, like some really great stuff. Of course, he also wrote Time Zero Part 2 and Emergence. Time Zero! Yeah. So, I don't know, it's, it's weird. And then he'll go on to do a bunch of stuff for Voyager, which felt uh-huh. about right. Yeah. But we're not on that one yet. We're, we're no. actually, that's the second one that we just let's, finished. Let's instead talk about Visionary. Yeah, let's put some space between the episode and talking about the episode, and you can tell us about Visionary. Yeah, let's talk for the, let's talk about this for 55 minutes, and then as an afterthought, we'll, we'll talk about Distant yeah. Voices. Now, this is the one about those action figures with little holograms on their chests, right? Right, the evil that lies within. Yeah. I think that's how the little thing went. Mm-hmm. All right, so Chief O'Brien is recovering from a radioactive kayaking accident that has caused him to shift about five hours into the future every once in a while. Meanwhile, a delegation of Romulans is visiting the station, demanding the intel that Starfleet promised them on the Dominion. Hey, they say, we gave you a cloaking device. Now how's about you holding up your end of the bargain? Which seems entirely reasonable to me, but Sisko and Kira seem put out by it. Why would we know anything about the Dominion, they proclaim. It's not like we go to the Gamma Quadrant every other week, despite the clear instructions to the contrary. Meanwhile,st that thing that's happening to O'Brien is still happening to O'Brien. He watches he watches himself die a couple of times and then avoids dying because, well, duh. Apparently, the radiation that O'Brien was recently soaked in is reacting to a mysterious singularity somewhere near the station—a singularity like what Romulan ships use as their engine. Even Counselor Troy knew that, honestly. But it takes our intrepid techno babblers three or four acts to work that part out. Eventually, we discover that it's all a Romulan plot, a ploy to stop a war. They were planning to blow up the station and collapse the wormhole to prevent future incursions into and out of the Gamma Quadrant, which makes sense to me. Here's what doesn't make sense. Chief O'Brien dies and is replaced by his time-displaced duplicate from a few hours into the future, which is completely logical if you think about it. Wait, it's completely logical if you don't think about it. Like, at all. Yeah, that was weird. Well, let's just roll right into your bad thing. Yeah, okay. Because it so, follows on to my, my, my statement there. 
Basically, the idea that our Chief O'Brien died and has been replaced by Chief, by future Chief O'Brien, that always creeped me out. Like, it creeped me out the first time I watched this episode. Like, I know he's still our Miles O'Brien, but I, there's something I can't get over thinking that, you know, the actual Chief O'Brien, the one who's been around since the first episode of Next Gen, is dead now. It's just weird, and it makes me feel bad. Okay, so let's, without getting too deep into the time travel logic, because we try not to get too mired in the and technical because bullshit. there's literally no way out if we get too far into it but but just briefly okay yeah. so the future is stuff that hasn't happened yet right the future is affected by things that are happening now mm-hmm. if i die now there won't be a me in a couple of hours no that's it that's my whole point that that's i didn't want to get too you know caught up in it but there can't be an o'brien of the future if the o'brien from before is dead that doesn't yeah. make sense which means that he's not going forward in time. He's going into, like, alternate realities or something. Which means they stole an O'Brien out of a different reality. Mm-hmm. And now, effectively, we're short two O'Briens. Yes. Oh, no I one, I guess, because they, they they like, swap places. But, but yeah, oh, the, the Keiko of that reality is going to come home from Bejor, and just Miles is going to be dead. And, like, w- w- what happened? Didn't I used to have a husband? Oh, yeah. N- n- uh, no, no. Nope. Some other reality needed him more. Yep, sorry. I guess the prime reality happens. takes uh takes precedent. Yeah. Well, we've established that before. Yeah, absolutely. It just it like okay. Like I said, I didn't I didn't want to overthink it because but they proved throughout the episode that him seeing what was going to happen meant that he could change it. Yes. Which meant it wasn't alternate realities, it was the same timeline that he was jumping ahead in and then going back and fixing. Yeah. Which is fine, I get that. But then, yeah, the fact that his future self can replace his past self, that doesn't make any sense. No, like, it should be, like, shouldn't it be Back to the Future rules where he starts to disappear? Yes. But then it's not. No, it's not. It just, it it didn't make sense. No. They were going for kind of a mindfuck thing, that that sort of creepy DS9 sort of ending where it's, it's morally ambiguous. And, well, in this case, it's, it's just generally ambiguous. I mean. It's like, well, yeah, but. Now it's sort of off. Isn't that weird? I mean, I kind of like it, but like, I like the it, tone. I yeah, just, but it, like, it, it doesn't. doesn't it doesn't sense. work if you think about it for more than a second. No, and it doesn't work with the established rules of Star Trek time travel. It doesn't, and it doesn't work in just the basic like progression of of causality, which is one event causes the next event. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I'm saying. It's like so. Okay, so this is the O'Brien for the people. Like, where did he come from? Yeah, and this this was actually my bad thing. Our our bad things sort of go together, which is uh, you, you're creeped out by O'Brien dying. I'm I'm baffled mad. by the logic. So yeah, and 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 what I pointed out in my summary, which is that I, I knew about the Romulans and their singularity forever ago. How did uh-huh. how did our characters not know this? Like literally, uh, uh, Counselor Troy did know it. Mm. That's the thing. See, it works like. By it, like it doesn't matter if it's a surprise to us, the viewers. Yeah. But this should be this shouldn't be news to the characters. Like no. we've established in universe that they know it's common knowledge that the Romulans yeah. use singularities to power their ships. Yeah. If Counselor Troy knows it, then definitely somebody like Dax should know it. Yeah, she doesn't know anything. Yeah. But I mean, she does now. But yeah. The the she... main thing that I was reading in Memory Alpha about the um the the creator's opinion on this was that this could have been a next gen episode. This this to them felt like a generic premise that could have been used in any particular series. Like this uh, wasn't unique to DS Nine. No, I completely agree with that. I'll buy that. However, I think setting this against the backdrop of the Romulan thing 
made it more DS9-y. Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, in general, yeah, the premise is, is sort of generic. But the fact that we're still continuing the, the thread of the, the looming Dominion War and the, the cooperation between the Romulans and the Federation, like, the, there's at least some threads of some, some ongoing plot there, which I really like. Yeah. Whereas if it had been, like, a TNG episode, it would have just been, you know, yeah. Romulans and Klingons don't like each other. Right. No, the, the Romulans, this was actually my good thing. The Romulans in this episode are more threatening than they ever were in Next Gen. Yeah. Like, just in, in their one appearance, like, I think we've had Romulans before, but this is their one, like, where they're actually here. Yeah. It's like, they're, they're going to blow up the station. Yeah. And it, it made sense from their perspective. Like, yeah. it made total sense. Like, let's just close the wormhole and be done with this. Well, yeah. they won't let Problem us close solved. the wormhole, so yeah. But, uh... Like, it's, this is the kind of shit that they should, like, they should, these big, like, these big killing everyone sweeping gestures like that's a cool thing for the Romulans to be doing right and I felt like they were more defined as a culture because Cisco even at one point says to Kira like she says well why don't they go to the Gamma Quadrant and gather intel and he says well they they prefer to hang back and pull the strings yeah I I like that and and it makes them similar to the Cardassians but different enough that we're not just watching the same guys And I don't know, I, I talked about this throughout Next Gen. I felt like the Romulans were a real, like, like uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, failed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because I thought they could have been really great, and they never really were. And here, you know, here they were kind of cool. Yeah. See, that's always been the problem, is that the threat of the Romulans has always been better shown by, you know, what the Cardassians are doing. Right. Romulans never really did that much. They just said that they were back. Well, and I like, uh, well, yeah, in in that episode where the most remarkable thing was a woman looking for her son and a, a drugged up space cowboy. You guys seen Tommy? Computer, where is Tommy? Locate Tommy. According this to the Tommy's books, mommy. she's still looking for Tommy. <laughs> she plays an important role in the, uh, the uh, Temporal Investigation books. Yep. Where she's still looking for Tommy. Well, that's why she joined the DTI, so she can continue her search for Tommy. Uh-huh. You guys seen Tommy? She thinks it's the Department of Tommy Investigations. <laughs> but it's not. No one has the heart to tell her. Right. Uh, but, uh, no, I like the Romulans, and I love I love that there are Klingons there who we think are your typical... Like, this happens a lot, where, like, drunk Klingons are on the station being rowdy, and it's like... Yeah, that oh, happens, like, every week. Yeah, Odo's got his hands full with this. And then you realize they're Klingon spies, and then you're like, yeah, they wouldn't sneak around. They would just act like Klingons, but also be doing their thing. Yeah, because what better way to get someone to underestimate you than to, you know, act like a drunken idiot? Right. And then, like, start a bar fight, but really the bar fight, the, the point of it is to yeah. take out the Romulans. Like, that, that's, that's it's smart. Re- it's really clever. And it's Klingon. Yeah. Like, and it's like, no one's going to start a war over that because, you know, a bunch of Klingons in a bar killing some Romulans, that shit probably happens all the time. Yeah. And we've talked about this before where it's sometimes hard to, to imagine... Klingon society having things like scientists or spies. Mm. But here they show how a Klingon spy actually would work, which is they're basically like Klingons, but they're kind of thinking one move ahead. Yeah. Which is, I, I like that. I, I really like the, the political aspect of this. Mm. And it's a small part of it, but that's that's what I liked. Very clever. Yeah. What was your good thing? Uh, there's a scene where, um, so it's like the fourth or fifth time uh, O'Brien's been uh, popped into the future. Uh, and there's a scene where he arrives in sick bay and then finds his dead body. Yep. Um, and then Julian comes in and just sort of rolls into, oh, you're, you're past O'Brien coming into the future. Good. I've got some things to tell you. First of all, you're dead. Yeah. When you go back, tell yourself this. 
Down to, I, I just, I love the idea, I, I love how he just rolls into it. Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's a fair amount of that, that, it's definitely, like, best represented in that scene. Mm-hmm. But there's a fair amount of that throughout this, where there is almost no O'Brien trying to convince people this is happening. Yeah. And there's almost no, like, well, that can't be right, you must be mistaken. Like, we're completely just accepting, no, he's it's, probably going into the future. Doesn't anyone think it's insane that he's going into the future? No, this happened to Captain Picard, like, a year ago, yeah. so... And we've talked about this before where this show has more self-awareness than previous shows have where it, yeah. the, the writers are now aware that we've seen this so many times that the characters must be aware of it. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about, and I've talked about this before, I like about Star Trek is that this is, you know, we get to this point where this is the universe we live in, you know? Everyone just sort of accepts that, you know, sometimes people go into the future because of radiation. Well, and it's nice because as viewers, it's boring as hell to wait two acts for people to catch up to the main character. Mm-hmm. Like, we know what's going on. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. And Show me something new now. Yeah. I, there were a few next-gen episodes and maybe a couple of original series episodes as well where it's like something cool was happening and we had to wait for everyone else to, to get on board with... Actually, the next episode Oh God! takes a good 20 minutes to establish the premise of what's going on and then explain it to us. Yeah, and well after of, we've all figured it out. Instead of just accepting that's what it is and moving on and exploring the interesting parts of the story, you're spending time convincing people that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not interesting. No, it's very boring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that we can just sort of go in and just like, yep, this is what's happening. Weird. How are we going to deal with it? Yeah, no, it was that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um... What else? Most of my notes were about the Romulan stuff. I'm just, yep. just going to try to talk about this the time jump thing, but that's really like I, I thought it was kind of dumb. I like uh, I like your comment that uh, for the fiftieth or sixtieth time, Romulans come onto the station. Oh God, yeah. And uh, the and uh, Cisco's all like, "Oh, we got some quarters for you. You know, I assume you guys are going to want to relax." And they go, "No, we don't. Yeah, we're not interested in your pleasantries. We want to get down to business." Well, really? And everyone's really like, "What?" Why would the Romulans act like that? This well, is, they always do. This is what we just talked about. The show should have a little awareness mm-hmm. and have the characters acknowledge this is how the Romulans act and, you know, move on with things. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was played as like a surprise. Like everyone looks at each other like, what? What? Why would they treat you, us like this? You guys have met Romulans before. You know how this works. They're basically evil Vulcans, which means they don't care about your pleasantries and your emotional bullshit. I don't have time for this crap. Yeah. I, I have important work to do. It's evil work. Evil work. Yep. I just, I again, I, I, I think the Romulans are completely justified. Oh, yeah. In demanding some, like, we gave you this top secret device that you were not supposed to have per our treaty. Yes. And we gave you a person to, to supervise it, which, by the way, where is she? Uh, have you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, we used to have one of those. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Well, this is awkward. The thing is, I understand from a behind-the-scenes perspective, because I've been reading Memory Alpha, that they didn't know what to do with that character. They didn't mm. think she fit for whatever reason. And we, we talked about this. We think she would have. Yes. But okay, they know their own show probably better than we do, and, yep. and they, they probably thought it out and said, no, this doesn't work. I don't know. I'd say we spend a lot more time studying this show than they have. Uh, I would say the other shows, but this show gets pretty self-aware, I think. Yeah. But um, I, my point is, Okay, so she's gone. Mm-hmm. This would be the prime opportunity to say where she went. Yeah. 
if if that's the case, if she's just not there to supervise the cloaking device anymore, maybe just throw in a line of dialogue about, well, we trusted you enough to transfer subcommander whoever out of here, but yeah. we still want some answers. Yeah. That's it. That's all you need. But instead, they just don't like that never happened. Mm-hmm. Which is she just weird. fell out of the show. Like, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think they're totally justified in wanting like, OK, we gave you this thing. Mm-hmm. So what about where's your the, side? Where's the uh, where's the payback for that? You're supposed to tell us everything you know about the Dominion. Yeah. And they're just like, well, we don't know anything about the Dominion. But don't I mean... don't be mean. What? Why do they they want access to our information about the Dominion? Well, they can't have it. They're the Romulans. No, they're look. Like this is a the fact the very fact that they gave you. A cloaking device. That's a huge step forward in relations between the two of you. Yeah, we've had whole episodes talk about how the Federation is absolutely not supposed to have a cloaking device. There was an episode of the original series where Kirk stole one because yeah. it's such a big deal. Like, they're, yeah. they're huge. So, like, giving these guys anything you've got on the Dominion is would probably be a huge step forward in relations between the two of you. Yeah. Now we're presenting a united front as the Alpha Quadrant, as... We might have our differences, but don't fuck with us because we're united against you. Yeah, we're not so different, you and I. Right. In another reality, I might have called you friend. Yeah. Friend, you know, friend. Friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, instead it's just like, well, we can't show them that. They don't. They want to know about the de- about the Defiant. Well, they already know about the Defiant. They built, helped build it. Yeah, well, no, they didn't. They, they well, they. I'm sure they were on device. it enough to when they installed the cloaking device. Yeah, and presumably... You think they didn't have a good look around? Presumably, every cloaking device isn't like a universal device. Like, it's probably specifically tuned to the... Like, they must have schematics on the Defiant. No, no, uh, cloaking devices have a USB port. You just plug it in. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. It's really Um, handy. It's the future. Wow. Except they're they're still using multiple pads. Well, look. (laughs) The future's not all great. But the dartboards light up and beep, so there's that. Yeah, the future. The future, obviously. But overall, I just, I think they're they're being very sensible. And then they're like, yeah, and you have a founder working for you. What's up with that? Oh, no, no, that's Odo. He's fine. He doesn't is count. It, is, is it fine? I don't think it is that fine, actually. Look, at the very least, we should probably talk to him a little. Yeah, nope. You don't need to do that. I think we do. Yeah, nah. Nope. Nope. It's just, it's like, I, I completely, until we get to the point where they want to blow up the station, then it's like, okay, maybe that's a little too far. Yeah, no, that's, uh, look. But up to that point, it's like the Romulans are completely sympathetic in this. I'm I'm on their side, kind of. Yeah. And they're asking Kira, they, there's a great bit where they're asking Kira about the stuff that happened in the season premiere in The Search. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, so you and Odo just left, huh? And and you can tell, like, she does a great job of not doing that acting thing where it's like, uh, I'm clearly lying, wink, wink. But she's no, she... lying because we saw it and we know. Yeah. And she's clearly covering for Odo acting crazy mm-hmm. and saying, no, we were shut off from the rest of the ship and we had to escape or we would have been caught. Like, it was it was a nice sort of subtle, like, you know, lying to protect your friend thing. Yeah, without directly drawing attention to it. Yeah, because... Otherwise, the answer would have been, well, Odo has a weird instinct placed in him by the evil founders that mm-hmm. made him act crazy. Well, that, that makes us uh, trust him even less. Yeah, and maybe that's probably something we should keep an eye on. Nah. Nope. That's fine. We trust Odo. He's he's caught a lot of uh, shoplifters. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then. <laughs> he's not going to conquer the Alpha Quadrant if he's, you know, a, a great mall cop. 
That's right. I'm not. Quark. There's uh, there, you you mentioned there's some good Detective Odo stuff in this. I do love Detective Odo, and uh, there's some nice stuff here where uh, he's investigating. There's a point where uh, uh, Chief O'Brien jumps into the future and sees himself get shot by a wall, mm-hmm. and uh, Odo sort of launches an investigation to see who put that wall gun there. And so there's a great scene where he's just going through, well, I did this and this and this. And Cisco's like, well, you want to just cut to the chase? Why do you have to tell me all this? And Otis goes, because I want you to know how hard it was. Yeah. Sometimes I need to remind you. I'm good at this. And the thing is, I've had bosses like that who, if you just give them what they ask for, they don't understand all the work that went into it. And yeah. sometimes you have to remind them, this took six hours because I had to go through all these steps. Yeah. Why, so, did, yeah. why didn't I have it six hours ago? Because it was hard. Yeah. But it's also nice to to get a little glimpse into Odo's methods. Yes, it's it's always weird to me that to hear that he's got contacts in places because mm-hmm. he's just not that sociable. It's and like where did this come from? You picture somebody like Quark having friends all over the place who can you know give him information, but somebody like Odo isn't exactly charismatic. You know, my, my friend in Starfleet intelligence. Really? <laughs> you have a friend? I mean, cool. Can, I, can we yeah. learn more about that? How that yeah. friendship started? Yeah, that would you know. It's probably, he's just probably blackmailing all these people. Oh, I'm sure. He probably has something on him. I got pictures of you. Yep. Pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man. Actually, Rene Aubergeois wouldn't be a bad... uh, Nope. J. Jonah James. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Brandt. (laughs) Quark. (laughs) There's a great bit where he's like, well, I have some some suspects of who might try to kill the Romulans. There's the Klingons. I'll I'll investigate the Klingons. I'll investigate some of the more radical Bajorans. I'll investigate Quark. Wait, why Quark? Well, I always investigate Quark. He's a menace. Yeah. Ugh. Which is great. I enjoyed Um, it. Odo had some great little, like, lines. Oh, yeah. No, he was really funny in this one. In this episode. And actually, Julian had a fun one, too, where where O'Brien comes back and he's horrified that he's going to be dead and... and, uh, Bashir said, well, it could have been worse. could have been me. <laughs> so I think that's a good indicator of their friendship. It's it's definitely getting there. It, yeah. I don't quite buy it just yet, but they are playing darts together now. Yeah. And they are sort of more casually joking around about stuff. Well, and the the fact that Julian spends like another like two hours playing darts with him when he's nervous. Right. I'd like to believe that you'd play darts with me for an hour if, uh, if you knew I thought I was going to die. Yeah, not two, but you know, one probably. Yeah. I mean, let's not go nuts here. And, and darts, right? Like not a not like some kind of board game or something. No, no. Okay, good. Because no board game is where I draw. <laughs> Listen, if I got to sing Ala Moraine, sorry, you're dead. See, I think you'd be into Ala Moraine. Nope, not so much. Come on, let's come over here and play the uh, D- the shitty DS9 board game. <clears throat> or you here, and Flunk can remind thing. me about the uh, shitty Klingon VHS game again for the oh, thousandth time. So good. Was it? Experience beige. I don't a B like a BJ like a blowjob. Yeah, sure. Why not? From a Klingon. It stars Gowron. I don't want a blowjob from Kling from uh, Gowron. <laughs> Look at those teeth. There's a sentence no one's ever said before. Well, because who wouldn't? We are we are pioneers on this show. That's true. Here's a thing I've noticed on Memory Alpha. Have you spotted this? They're they're now like after all the comments talking about. And this reviewer thought this about the episode. Uh huh. And this reviewer thought, how come they're not putting our opinions in? There? Uh, yeah, we got some great reviews. How come they're not quoting me talking about not wanting a blowjob from Galron? Yeah, get that in there. For instance, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't do it, but it's someone else, yeah. you know. This is your homework assignment, folks. <laughs> no, please, please don't. Get out there, spread the word. Yeah, but not in, not a memory alpha. 
We've tried that before, and they shut us down immediately. Ah, poo. That's just that's just going to put us on the radar in a bad way. Well, we don't want to lose garbage off. No, of no, the, no. Uh, garbage is still there. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Oh, the other thing about Chief O'Brien's time jumping that didn't make sense to me. It wasn't just time jumping, it was also space jumping. Like, he would always end up exactly where the action was. Well, it wasn't that... I always thought it was that he was being drawn to himself. Well, okay, first of all, uh, that doesn't make sense. No. I mean, you're right. Like, that, that is like, a that was my assumption. Well, because he always showed up in eyesight of himself. Right. But he's not directly next to himself. He's always, like, ten feet away. Or on top of himself. Right. How great would that be if he just fell on top of himself? Oh, okay, get out of the way, Miles. Ugh, um, you again. But but then yeah it's all it's it was always just before something like dramatic happened, and like right within eyesight of it. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like like shouldn't he just jump into the future in the spot that he's standing in? Well, you would think, right? Yeah. And then when future O'Brien displaces present O'Brien and comes back, O'Brien of the present is wearing different clothes now. Uh, oh, never mind. I don't like what. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Again, though, there was a lot to like about it. There was a lot yeah. of great character moments. There was some good political stuff. And I actually, while we're talking about while we're talking about this, um, the two Chief O'Briens always have excellent chemistry with each other. Yes, Colmini has great chemistry with himself. Yes, like there's a when he arrives in the middle of the bar fight, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, oh yeah, the Klingon's about to pull a knife on him. He's like, Miles, look out! Yeah, I like uh, uh, like present Chief O'Brien grabs the knife and then. Future Chief O'Brien tells President Chief O'Brien to dodge a chair that's being thrown at him. Right. Or there's a scene where they both where he beams into Future Chief O'Brien's uh, quarters and they both like ask about something weird and they both go, "I hate temporal physics." Yep. Well, no. What they do is they ask some of the questions I've been asking, uh-huh. which is, "Well, if that happened to you, why don't I remember it?" Yeah. I, I hate this. <laughs> which is not really an answer. Show acknowledging a hole in the in the plot is not the same as plugging that hole. No. It's funny though. It was funny, and it's true because an engineer likes like parts. They yeah. like the things that work, machines that that. Why function. is this dumb? Yeah, they, well, they, the, the logic of this is not like a a simple machine that functions. It, it's it's all screwy and timey wimey, mm-hmm. and I could see him not liking that. Anyway, that's that's all I got. What about you? I think that's every. What did you think of the uh, the phaser in the? Uh, what was it? They put the phaser in the replicator or something? Oh, that was a neat little thing where yeah, they booby trapped the wall by, um, uh, and they put a security camera on the the spot to to watch it and yeah, to see who installed it and when yeah, no one does. nobody did. Yeah, they figured out that someone beamed a, a weapon into the wall. Yeah, by um, modifying a replicator to uh, to do that, which I thought was cool. Well, we we've talked about this before. I was like when we uh, when they use the physic like the science of the show to uh, yeah existing like they, stuff that we've set up. They take the technology of the show and use it in interesting ways. Yeah, that's always better to me than when they have to invent a new technology to make yeah. the story work. Like when you use pieces you've already shown. Yeah, because like that's how it, that's how it would work in real life. Like you know, we'll take well this thing creates stuff out of nothing. Let's use that somehow. And the best example of that is something I can't talk about yet, which is. The thing that Rom comes up with, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to that. And then right. We'll I just I'm saying it. to you, like that is yeah. like the the pinnacle of like that. That is mm-hmm. amazing, and I love stuff like that. Like, yeah, you've already established that this exists and this exists, so why wouldn't you be able mm-hmm. to do that? That's very cool. And so, no, I I liked that, and because the replicator is supposed to be a little transporter, because that's how it works. Yeah, like a transporter disassembles your matter and then reassembles it. The the replicator just 
sort of has the pattern stored and just reassembles it for you without, you know, having to beam it from somewhere else. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's why one time when someone beamed over to the Enterprise, they came out as a sandwich. Right. In that episode, The Sandwich. Yes. Because a season, like, three next-gen episode would just be called The Sandwich. The Sandwich. Yep. Menage a Sandwich. <laughs> All right. Well, my quote... Yes, tell a, me your quote. A great little bit. I actually, oddly enough, I had some notes about how I thought Kira was being surprisingly diplomatic uh, talking to the chief in sickbay because she's like, Chief, are you okay? Good. So anyway, the Romulans. <laughs> like, this is this is better Kira than we've seen before. Like, she's mm. expressing some at least pretend sympathy before getting to business, which I like. But then the, the very next scene, uh, Cisco says this. And Major, when you're with the Romulans, try to be diplomatic. I'm always diplomatic. That is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard, and I resent the implication. And I love the smash cut. I don't know if that's that's clear from the quote. Yeah. But we, we change scenes. Where he's like, could you please be diplomatic? I'm always diplomatic. What? <laughs> doodly, doodly, doodly. <laughs> What kind of moron wouldn't? <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Don't right, worry, man. I'm always diplomatic when it comes to Romulans. How can I be diplomatic to these Romulans? <clears throat> All right, Matt, we're at the halfway point, which means we have to now talk about the second episode. Distant Voices, which, by the way, stupid title, too. Yeah, and it actually happened, like, in the episode. Wait a minute, those are distant voices. What's that? Wi- oh, yeah, we get the return of the scary whispers. Remember those from next yeah, gen? Of course I do. <sighs> yep, still not scary. Tell me what happens in I distant I don't want to. All right. So Julian and Garrick are lunching while Julian complains about his upcoming birthday. See, it's sad because he's turning 30. Aw, muffin. <laughs> Anyway, so Quark and a giant chicken approach and badger Julian about acquiring some biometric gel for the chicken. Apparently to grease his coop up with. Julian says no, because as we all know, biometric gel is illegal to distribute in most states and Quebec. So then the chicken electrocutes Julian with his psychic hand powers. Julian awakens in sickbay and... You know what? Let's just cut to the fucking chase here. The rest of the episode basically takes place in Julian's mind as he recovers from a coma in the real world. Every person from the main cast represents one of his emotions. Julian's terrible aging makeup represents his fear of getting old. And the giant chicken represents his fear of having chairs thrown at him from an impenetrable darkness. So eventually the giant chicken has killed all of Julian's emotion and then starts making personal insults at him while watching him be battered by tennis balls. Seriously. So Julian realizes that, I don't know, maybe the answers were inside of him all along, or he really is a good guy, or he needs to celebrate Christmas in his heart, or some fucking thing. Anyway, with a final no, the giant chicken is banished to the combination KFC Taco Bell down the street, and Julian wakes up in the real world ready to face turning 30. Asshole, I just got really, really drunk. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, when I when I saw this episode originally, I was just about to turn thirty, and I thought it was really poignant that uh-huh. he and Garrick were talking about. Oh, yeah, well, in human cultures, the turning the thirty end of youth and... represents the end of youth and the slow march into middle age. And now I, this year, I'm turning forty, and it's like, fuck you. <laughs> well, now it's it's just like, well, first of all, yeah, let's point out that thirty in Star Trek not so bad when you live to be a hundred and thirty. Yeah, no, we saw Bones was like 137. Yeah. Like it's, you know. And he's still yelling at people, so yep. he's fine. He's still got his wits about him, clearly. He looks yes. old, but he's, you know. Yeah. But he's always looked old. Well, well, you know. Yeah. 
He was born looking like that. Good Lord. No, he looked like Carl Urban at one point. And he was, <laughs> when he was born, he complained to the doctor about how badly he was delivered. Yeah, that's probably true. What is this, <laughs> the Dark Ages? Wah! <laughs> My God, man, did you just smack me on the ass? <laughs> we still do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, oh, I miss Bones. Yeah. Remember Bones? Yeah, it, it, 30 is not that old now. No. And in the 24th century, it would, yeah, so that, but on the other hand, Julian is very vain. Well, yes. I mean, he probably thinks this song is about him. It's true. And I can see, you know, him thinking that, at least. I'm so old! Yep. My youth! Uh. Draining away from me! Actually, in combination with, uh, with, uh, the episode where he, al- that episode where he, al- where he almost won the Carrington and he was super depressed about that. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, maybe he really, maybe he really cares about being old. That, well, I mean, that's the thing about people who are completely self-assured is, mm. you know, they know it's going to go away one day. Why can't this be forever? Right. Um, but, but yeah, so now it, looking at it now, it's a little ridiculous just to, that he's yeah. that worried about it. But, but it, it is kind of in character, I suppose, except as you point out in your notes, it's way on the nose for then the episode, like to actually show him aging. Oh, yeah. Like, right in front of us. Wow, well, I'm old now. And let's just go into my bad thing real quick here. Yeah. This episode won an Emmy for makeup. What? Really? Yeah, it did. It actually I... beat out another Voyager episode, which is also up for best makeup. I... But... Yeah. I... It's, it's he bad. looks terrible. Yeah, he looks like old Biff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, He's by like... the end of the episode, when he's just sort of uh, scuttling around the ship looking like garbage... Like, that that old age makeup, it looks like every other Star Trek old age makeup ever. So, awful. Yeah, it does. And uh, as your wife, who was watching along with us, pointed out, he, he gets whiter. Yeah. He, he turns into when an Julie, old white guy. Yeah, when he gets old, he turns into an old white man. Yeah, which I think that's just because they have this stock makeup on hand yeah. and they didn't want to go out and buy brown. <laughs> no, we got white guy makeup. We'll just make you white. You're fine. Yeah. And, like, the other thing is he loses his British accent as he gets older because... It sounds like Sidigad uh, Al Fadil. Al Fadil. Al Fadil is trying to do an old man voice, and it sort of uh, overpowers his, his accent. Well, he's so, probably imitating old men that he's heard before, and they're probably American. Well, let me ask you this, Mister Chicken. It's like it's like when um, uh, British singers sing American rock songs, right? And they suddenly sound American. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're imitating someone else, so that's that's what it is. But yeah, no, it, and that was the other thing is his acting. Like overall, the aging process between the makeup and his acting just completely not convincing. Oh god, and he's not a bad actor. No, he's not. He's actually he, the opposite. He's a good actor. I think he does. He is one of those guys, like a lot of the next gen guys, who are great in a limited range. Yeah, I think there's certain things he can't do, and I think this is one of them. One of them is being old. I, I think one of them is playing not Julian. Yeah. Because Evil Julian in that early first season episode was terrible as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, Evil Julian. But, like, when he's playing shades of the same guy, uh-huh. that's great. Like, because he's, you know, he, he can he can display a wide range of believable emotions as as his main character. But, yeah, when he when he strays way out of that, it just it doesn't yeah. work. Be old. Oh, well. Yeah, he's like terrible community theater. Like I, I broke my hip. He does break his hip at one point. Yep, he falls real. over and breaks his hip. 
I mean, you know, that happens. We all know old people that that's happened to, but yep. it's it's still just... Uh, oh. It's a cliche. It's a terrible cliche. Yeah. And I, it uh, it's not good. It's not... It's just... It's so... It's so bad. Like, you know, let's just get to my bad thing, okay? Yeah. So, let's just go with the concept of the episode and how much I hate it. It's just a dream sequence. And, you know... A decent dream sequence episode that can be insightful. This one has absolutely no subtlety whatsoever. Julian spends a huge amount of this episode just going over everything. You! You represent my fear! And you! You're my aggression, Kira! Wow, you think, really? I'm the aggressive one? I don't get it. There's, and you, Dex! an entire act devoted yep. to just explaining what's going on, and we've all figured it out, and just he will not stop. And Dax, you represent my confidence for some reason. Yeah. And not, you know, the thing that gives me a boner, which mm. is not here at all, which is weird because we're in my mind. Here's the thing. You say a decent dream episode can be insightful. Mm. I, I, I put it to you. Sir. I challenge you. Uh, to name a time in Star Trek where that's happened. Oh, it doesn't happen in Star Trek at all. No, I'm in not other saying drama, that. Sure. Honestly, the first time, and I, you know, it's not like I, I, I watch a very limited amount of things. Like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff I'm not exposed to, and I'm sure there are other good examples. But the first time I saw TV represent dreams well was The Sopranos mm -hmm. in the late 90s, early 2000s. Which, the, the dreams on that show had a very surreal, like, quality where that thing where, like, you're in your room and then suddenly you're at work and then suddenly the guy you're talking to is a different guy. You know, like, all those things that happen in dreams. It's the first time I actually saw those things happen. It, like, TV dreams are usually so TV. Yeah, well, it's usually just, you know, they give it a plot. Well, yeah, it's meant to be a fake-out where you think it's happening and then yeah. it's just a dream. Yeah. I think if we're in someone's head, it should be really fucked up and weird. Mm -hmm. Like... Cisco should represent the fact that his dad's disappointed in him because everybody's dad is disappointed in them. That's yes. just a common fear. And, like, yeah, Dax should have been, like, you know, naked. Mm -hmm. We we should have had the return of sexy, naked Dax from the first season. Right. I, which, who Terry Farrell, I believe, said she enjoyed playing. So yeah, so everyone that would have been, been, been happy then. But, yeah, it should have just been, instead of, nope, you're the mad one, you're the happy one. Uh -huh. you know, uh, Really? It's like, are you people, like, are they actors or are they dwarfs? <laughs> so Odo just gets to be sneezy. Yes. This is my sneezy emotion. Yeah. And this is my dock emotion. Except I'm the dock. That doesn't make sense at all. I'll just make Cisco the dock for some reason. Yeah, why not? You're my confidence. Oh, have I? Oh, whatever. Like I say, I, I think Cisco should have represented, like, his dad. Like, he should have yeah. been intimidated by Cisco because I believe that he probably is. Yes. Like, and I'm I'm thinking of that scene where, you know, I've pointed out a few times where he comes to Cisco's quarters asking for a runabout for, for Garrick. Oh, what else does Garrick want? Yeah, will one be enough? <laughs> that scene, like, neatly summed up what I thought of their relationship, which yep. is that Bashir is sort of brazenly charging into things, and then he realizes, oh shit, this, this guy doesn't like me or trust me. No. So, yeah. Ugh. It's bad. I don't like episodes that take place inside people's minds. I think it's a, a dumb device that is used very badly. The only time I remember it working well is in the Venture Brothers. Yeah. And that's because they took all the tropes and made fun of them like that show does. Mm -hmm. But well, Because they explored how weird and gross it would be to be inside someone's well, mind. Well, they definitely did that. But they also just made fun of the whole idea that different people represent different things yes. and, and all that. It was it was good. But that that's it's just... 
it doesn't make sense. Like in my mind, it's not like all the people I know represent aspects of myself. That's no. not really how I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't think most people do. No. So yeah. If anything, it should be you. Like yes. re- various yous. Yeah, it should have been like the last episode was all different Chief O'Briens. This should have been all different Bashirs. Yes, all wearing different hats to uh, show w- which part, which aspect they were. Right. Like, one of them has one of those hats that has, like, beer cans and straws coming down from them. Yeah, that's the partying part of your brain. Right. But then one of them also has a giant novelty cowboy hat, which, I don't know what that is. That's the Norm Macdonald part of your brain. <laughs> Norm Macdonald? Yes, Norm Macdonald. Does he wear giant cowboy hats? He's been known to. I, I was not aware of that. Yeah, that's true. I just remember him as being the guy who always forgot his lines on SNL and said, fuck, on live TV. <laughs> well, he can be that aspect, too. The brain is, in a, is a huge and mysterious place, Al. Well, and we've established that they don't even fully comprehend the brain in, in the future. Mm. I don't know. Overall, this just felt like like a Braga, like, dream bullshit, well, you know. And the other thing I want to talk about is that, like, the whole concept of this episode is unnecessary. Like, it's all about him trying to stop the, uh, the giant chicken who represents <laughs> the damage happening to his brain. Yeah. By running around DS9, which represents his brain. But, like... There's no, like, at no point in the episode are we like, well, he's got to fight from inside his brain to save himself. It's like, no, this is just a dream he's having. It has no bearing on what's happening out in the real world. No, it does, because once he defeats the, the Lethian, he wakes up. I, but that doesn't, like, there's no reason why that happens. Well, that's true. Like, it's a, it, like as far as I can tell, he's just having a dream. Well, I think the dream represents the fight. It just represents it poorly. Uh, but the, it, just the fact that when he defeats him, he wakes up. I think that's what that's meant to, to symbolize. I understand that. It's just like if they had said something like, well, yeah, the Lethian, when he telepathically zapped his brain, he did something and now he's going to fight the damage. That, But no, like they, none of that ever comes up. He just gets knocked out. Yeah. It's, no, like, it's, it's like if I woke up from some dream and was all like, yeah, I had to fight that some giant frog to be able to wake up. No, you were just dreaming about a frog. Yep. Just because you were watching Hannibal last night. If that frog had defeated you, you know, you'd still wake up. Yep. Maybe it would fell. Maybe it would feel like you fell, but uh, that's yeah. about it. Yep. It it yeah. It just it was. It, it could have been more <laughs> for all the expositioning there was. It could have been more clear. Yes. Which yeah. Um. Okay, let's talk about the Lethian. I see from your notes and from the comments you've made since we've been discussing it that you thought the Lethian looked ridiculous. Yes, yes, you I do. thought he looked like a chicken, apparently. I do. I didn't see that at all. I actually thought he looked really cool. I thought it was a well-designed alien. See, every, and... time, I, every time he showed up, all I could think is... He, he did, like, start getting this Freddy Krueger-ish because we had the dream aspect and he was the threatening one that kept showing up and taking his friends away. Yep. And at one point, picking up and walking away with Dax. Yeah, just like, like it, the only way it would have been more ridiculous if it, he'd somehow loaded her on a dolly and just wheeled her. <laughs> Excuse me. One step away from that. <laughs> Coming through. Hey, li- lift with your back now. <laughs> but yeah, it's um. He had like he and he would have these stupid quips, you know. I, I welcome to prime time, bitch, or something like yeah, that. I don't know. I didn't. It, did, it didn't occur to me like there was there's something familiar about his voice, and I didn't get it until you said he sounded like Freddy Krueger. Well, the thing is, his normal speaking voice didn't. He had a kind of a cool sort of Michael Dornish like yeah. low voice, but then 
when he when he got excited and started taunting Julian, then he yeah he went into the sort of Freddy Kruegerish thing. And he spends all the last chunk of the episode like leaning against stuff and pointing at things and just yep. like. Hey, check this out, buddy. Yeah, that's the thing. He had sort of that trickstery feel while he's taunting and trying to kill you, which was very yep. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. In, inside your dream. So yeah, it was. It just I I wasn't a fan of that. But I I don't know. I thought the alien looked cool. Nah. You thought he looked like, like a chicken. Yep, big chicken. The thing is, I probably wouldn't have called that out as a good thing if there had been any other good thing. Yep. And you, uh, you, you actually fixated on the one actual. There's only one good thing in this episode, and it is that Bashir gets not hit not once but twice in the face with a barrage of tennis balls. <laughs> it's the most interested I've ever been in the entire episode, and the only thing I could think was this needs more Mr. Moose. <laughs> well, it definitely had that uh, Captain Kangaroo feel because he was opening a cabinet that was above his head. Yep. And the tennis balls just, although I think they were ping pong balls in. Uh, yeah, no, they were ping pong balls in the. Uh... Yeah. And, uh, you Captain know Captain Kangaroo. Kangaroo. I'm barely old enough to know. I used to stuff. watch Captain Kangaroo. I think they had repeats running up here. Oh, okay. Because I think it was just at the end of its run when I was a kid in the 70s. Yeah. So I imagine it was long gone by the time you were a kid. But Yeah. No, I, uh, I used to watch Captain Kangaroo. Weird. Captain Kangaroo, Mr. Moose, Mr. Green Jeans. Yeah, That's about all I rest. remember. I think there was a rabbit of some kind. There might have been a rabbit. There was definitely ping pong balls. Yeah. I honestly, like, I didn't, I remember not really particularly caring for it. Mm. But it was on. I didn't either, but you know what? It's always funny when someone gets ping pong balls dropped on them. Yeah, or tennis balls. Yeah, or tennis balls. And in this case, it was hilarious. So let's talk about apparently a big part of Julian's career is that he could have been a tennis pro. Yeah. I'm fine with him having casual interests that are kind of dumb, like tennis. Like, okay, fine. That's uh, all right. I mean, Riker played Parisi squares. At least this is a thing I've heard of. Yep. But I didn't realize it was that big a part of his character that he actually regretted not getting... Oh, I should tennis. have done tennis. It was I love medicine, but yeah. I love tennis even more. Really? Do you? There's only one thing I love more than being a doctor, and it would have been if I was a tennis. <laughs> it just You it... want to be a dentist? No, a tennis. It really it doesn't feel like I don't know, like on the one hand I like when our characters are more grounded and normal, but on the other hand it just didn't feel sort of epic enough. No. Like, his fatal flaw was that he was never a tennis pro. Wanted to be a tennis player. Wow. You never gave it your all. You could have been an amazing tennis player. Well, really, I'm good at everything. It doesn't matter what I want. I would have been an incredible zookeeper if I had wanted to. They don't have zoos in uh, Star Trek because all the aliens keep them with humans in them. (laughs) How ironic. Is it ironic? Yeah, maybe. All right. Wasn't that uh, several several episodes of uh, the original series? Yep. So, you keep humans in zoos. Yep. I think it was on, every episode of the animated series, actually. And I'm the zookeeper. I believe that was the episode called Eye of the Beholder, oddly enough. Yeah. Actually called Eye of the Beholder. Wow. Yeah. I just, it was weird to me that tennis ended up being such a big part. Like, the tennis balls are there in his subconscious. Mm-hmm. Huh. To get right. hit, so he can, they can hit him in the face. Yeah. Apparently, even in Julian's subconscious, he's a fan of pratfalls. Well, who isn't? That's true. Like you say, it's it's the only genuinely good. I mean, there's some there's some okay Garrick stuff in here too. Yeah, Garrick's fine in this. I mean, the fact that Garrick's in it saves it from always, being always a plus. You know, yeah. They have a nice mo- they have a nice moment at the beginning when Garrick gives him the gift of a. Uh, uh, I heard it was your birthday. 
Doctor. And we get the we, we we have a nice little conversation about how Dax is going to throw a surprise party, and you realize that Dax must do this all the time, and it's obviously not a surprise. Nope. Like there's some nice implications there that while we love Dax and she's good at a lot of stuff, apparently surpri- keeping surprise parties a surprise is not one of them. I just love that she clearly does this for everybody on this, like every one of her friends, and it's just accepted at this point. Yeah, I was gonna you were you were gonna say everyone on the station, like no, I believe every one of her friends. Yes. But I don't think she's one of those people who thinks everyone should be included. I think she just does it for the people she cares yeah. about. But yes, like, I, and I'd love to see her do that for like Odo. I, she spends like two episodes trying to get, trying to figure out Odo's birthday. Yes, and he's not oh, having God. it. I know what you're doing, Lieutenant. There was a there was there was actually a Transformers episode. Oh God, where two characters spend the entire well, the kid character and then like the the childlike robot. Uh-huh. Spend an entire episode trying to figure out when when a character's birthday is. It's pretty terrible. Childlike Empress. Yes. Bastion. Which, oddly enough, I'd seen pictures of uh, Grimlock from the new movie, and he looks a lot like Falcor the Luck Dragon to me. <laughs> I, I keep seeing those pictures of Optimus Prime riding on Grimlock, holding uh-huh. a sword, and I'm like, "You're not getting me." No. And the thing is, you know, that should be the coolest thing ever, but I just don't care. But, nope. But that's a that's a different thing. I, look, I see what you're trying to do, Transformers movie, but you're not going to get me. I know me, how this works. Let me see that directed by Cret. Yeah, that's what uh-huh. I thought. No, nope. Michael Bay. Yeah, nope. Sorry. Mark Wahlberg, huh? Well, I used to like him. Yeah. But, uh, not, not anymore. Anyway, I I actually would rather talk about Michael Bay's shitty Transformers movies than talk about this because wow, this just uh, yeah. I mean, this wasn't uh, past tense bad, which also means that everyone must have loved Distant Voices. Nah. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah, and there's a point where they they realize that that he's actually like lying there in a coma, and he can hear the people talking to him while he's unconscious, and he's like, "Listen, distant voices." Oh. You get it? Do you get no. the distant? Vo- oh, whatever. Yeah, just terrible. Can we oh, and there's an act break where he says, and they 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 zoom in on his face. I'm in a coma. And you realize that Star Trek is one of the only shows that can actually yeah. <laughs> have a character say out loud, I'm in a coma. I'm in, I'm in a coma. Dun, this, dun, dun. Is, this is my mind. <sighs> That's where all of this is happening. Now let's explain it for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, just keep going. Yeah. What else is happening in here? Oh, who cares? Uh, there's a bit where Odo's melting, and I thought the effect was pretty terrible. <laughs> Doctor, I can't feel my legs. You ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Lieutenant Dax. <laughs> Lieutenant Dax, ice cream, ice cream, <laughs> Lieutenant Dax. <laughs> so the entire point of there's a, there's a bit where they they talk again. They bring up the fact that he could have been first in his class, but he screwed up a pre-ganglionic fiber and a post-ganglionic nerve or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. And. Uh, they they explain in this episode that, that they're very different things and how could you possibly do that? And which apparently was just a giant well actually because yeah. somebody's wife pointed out that they're very different things. Yeah, somebody's wife is a doctor and was all like, No one in their right mind would confuse those two things. So they're just like, Alright, fine, we'll make it into a character thing. Yeah, but they sound similar. I don't think he can't tell the difference between those two things. What I think is that he wrote down the wrong words because mm. those words sound almost the same. Yeah. That's that that would be an easy mistake to make. Although we'll find out later it's something else. But yeah. And I like that this isn't actually gonna be a plot point. Yeah. This one tiny mistake that he made years ago keeps coming back. It'll never go away. Yep. I'll be buried in a crypt that says post ganglionic nerve. Wait, no. 
It'll say pre-ganglionic fire. Damn, damn it! God damn it! And there's a bit at the end where he's talking to Garrick and, you know, doing the, well, there's one thing I don't understand. Ugh, really? One one thing? Yeah. But uh, what, what Garrick says is, what I find interesting is that your mind used familiar people to represent your personality. Really? Like in 10,000 episodes of every other TV show? Oh, apparently you don't have TV on your planet, uh, Garrick. No, but they do have, this is what you were starting to, to reference. Um, oh, yeah. Mysteries. Garrick gives them a mystery. It's like, well, you know, Bashir's like, I, first of all, Bashir is very rude. Yeah. He's like, uh, oh, well. Doesn't know how to receive a birthday present. Cardassian mystery. How great. You know, like, I'm sure Quark would be happy to exchange it for something else, Julian. Yeah, for a modest fee. For a modest fee, you jerk. Yeah. But, like, like even I know better than to, to be all like, oh, I don't want this thing. Enough. No, you me. say, oh, it's oh, a Awesome, thank you. This is what I wanted. I mean, it is a nice way to point out one of those, like, Cardassians be like this and humans be like this thing. Yeah. Which it's is, still... the mysteries on Cardassia are not who done it; it's how they did it. Yeah. Which, like... by the way, doesn't sound so terrible to me. No. It's just, it's a, it's a, you know, I, I yeah. imagine Julian likes trying to figure out who did it. And, right. and Cardassia, they're all guilty from the beginning. Right. But you have to figure out who's responsible. But why for are they guilty? And, and what did they do? Yeah. yeah. That, that could be interesting. Yeah. But I just, I, I don't know. I like that. Anyway, my point is that Julian is very rude and not good at receiving birthday presents and shouldn't be uh, too surprised if next year Garrett gets him a gift certificate. Yep. Although, you know, Garrett really just could have gotten off easy and given him socks that he made. See, now that would also be nice. That's a... That's a very thoughtful gift. Yeah, I'm a tailor. I could charge you for this, but I'm giving it to you for nothing. Yeah, I made you some very nice socks because I care about you, Doctor. Yeah. You're my friend. These huh. these are those creepy toe socks, and they have seven toes. Well, Cardassians have seven toes. Yeah, but I'm not Cardassian. Weird, that's never come up before. Yeah. True, they, though. Garrick does have a great line at the end, though, where, uh, where Bashir says, well, yeah, I, I made it through because I was lucky, and he says, Cardassians don't believe in luck. You were strong. Yeah, that was a good one. That was just sort of like a kind of a thing I believe. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you made it because you knew what you were doing, not because yeah. of luck. Although he didn't. No. But, you know. Yeah. But it's a nice sentiment. He made it because he stumbled around long enough for the episode to wind itself down. Yeah, because they, they got to the end of the aging makeup process because they couldn't make it look any shittier. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's put him in the grave. <laughs> the uh... next scene is just a gravestone that says, Here lies Julie. And this is what happens to me! <laughs> no, this, sh this should be a skeleton. <laughs> I've turned into a skeleton. <laughs> a skeleton in a Starfleet uniform. So then the last scene is basically Freddy Krueger and the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, that sounds good. A nice combination of Tales from the Crypt and uh, Freddy's New Nightmares. Yeah, exactly. Which I was always disappointed that Freddy never actually was in. No. Like he it introduced wasn't, he, it. But... Yeah, he introduced it, but he was never like... Yeah, but a as a kid, when I watched that show, I kept expecting the well, show yeah. to be about him, and it never was. Yeah. I get it now. A, but... It's the same thing as how uh, Jason was never in the Friday the 13th uh, series. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> all right, well, that, that's all I have. What about you? I think that's everything I wanted to touch on. This is not a very good episode. It's really not. It's not as bad as Past Tense, though. Nope. Because it's only one part. Yep. No hat guy either. No hat guy. Although uh, uh, Giant Chicken would have benefited from a Freddy hat. Yeah. So uh, you got a quote? I do. It's this. I hope we don't get sued for using it. Surprise! What is this? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. 
anymore. Christ, we gotta pay like a million dollars for that song. <laughs> for some reason, I'm not worried about using, you know, uh, the the whole planet music or you know clips from Star Trek. But those are two old women that don't happy birthday. Oh God, they will break your fucking legs. Mm-hmm. Not great. So I know I teased last week that our our pal uh, Nathan was going to be here with us. Unfortunately, he fell ill. Yes. And hopefully, we'll be we'll be returning. There's there's still a couple of additional chances for him to show up, and and I hope so because because I like having him on the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, just just to let you know, like you know, for you Nathan fans, this this wasn't like a you know, like we we, we had an argument or he yeah, we didn't fire something. him. No, no, it was just like. If anything, we're going to fire everyone else who said that they liked past tense. Yes, Nathan all of you are has, fired. Has not weighed in on that, so Nathan <laughs> is not fired. But now he's he's quite ill at the moment. So yes, unfortunately. Hopefully, you know he'll be back later this season. But he's already staked his claim, if anything, on uh, the the season premiere for next season because uh, major uh, aspects of that are things that he likes. I'm trying not to spoil it. Yes. Um. But next week, our pal Irish Gav will be here from the Drunken Time Travel Podcast. So look Yay. forward to that. Next week uh, is the return. Uh, this isn't really much of a spoiler. Return to the Mirror Universe and the first part of one of the outstanding two-parters that this show does. Yes. Involving Garrick and the Cardassians and a few other things. This is one of my all-time favorites, so really looking forward to that. Yes. Um, as ever, you want to write to the show. We're coming near the end of the uh, season, and then we'll do uh, we'll do one of our, our uh, supplemental shows, so mm. we'll answer your mail. If you got that any is... DS9 questions, send them on in. Yeah, or general Trek questions. If you're, yep. like, a few people check in with me from time to time, I just discovered the show, I'm making my way through, I'm back on episode 50 or whatever. Well, mm. If you've got a question about that, we, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll try to remember. Send them on in. Yeah. Uh, postatomicore at Gmail. Uh, website is postatomicore.com. The Tumblr is postatomicore.tumblr.com. Yep. And I think that's all the stuff. That is everything. Uh, buy our episode guide. It's, yeah. It's, uh, if you go to postdomacore.com, click on store. It's there. It's uh, It reviews the entirety of Next Gen, uh, all new jokes. Uh, check it out. It seems like interest has dropped off on that a bit, and it's too bad because we, we, we're really proud of what we did, and we'd like to put that in your hands. Yeah, look so at it. Check it out. Do it. And, you know, not to not to put too fine a point on it, but I'm very broke right now, and if I sold a couple books, maybe yeah. I could eat. Give poor Al some money. Yeah, we, I just moved, and it's a little... little Help small. him not eat out of a trash can. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, all right, and with that, let's get out of here. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.